My guess is that none of you here this morning would recognize the name of Robert Alexander Watson Watt. Robert Alexander Watson Watt. Probably none of you recognize that name. But this guy was a pretty significant person. He was the fella who invented radar. Think about that. That's a significant thing. Just before World War II, this Robert Alexander Watson Watt invented radar. He initially invented it to track storms. We use radar for that today. But it became a huge advantage in World War II in tracking enemy aircraft. And it is credited, the development of radar is credited with helping the Allies win World War II. So get this, this fellow Watson Watt developed radar to sort of keep an eye on or keep a perspective on what the enemy was doing. That's what it was used for. That's what it's still used for in our day and time. Now, with that in mind, I've got a question for you this morning. And my question is this. Are you on Satan's radar screen? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says that he's our adversary or our enemy. And so the question is, is the enemy tracking you? Are you on Satan's radar screen? We want to kind of pursue that sort of play on words this morning in, in a brief lesson to encourage us to live the kind of lives that God wants and expects us to be living. We stop here just briefly to thank you all for being here on this Lord's Day. We're glad for this occasion to be together. It's really a blessing and a privilege to be able to come together, to freely assemble, to worship and study from God's Word. It's not that way everywhere in the world. There are people who suffer under great persecution in any attempt to try to serve God. We are blessed to not have to do that. We need to understand that blessing, be grateful and thankful for that blessing, and take advantage of it. By all means, take advantage of this blessing that we have. We're glad that you have done so this morning. We're encouraged by your presence. we got visitors with us today, and we're grateful for our visitors. We want you to come back every time that you have a chance. Thanks for being here today. So our question for study is, are you on Satan's radar screen? And our first observation is that we know that he actually, and we're going to use this word, he targets faithful people. There's really a very long and consistent history recorded in the Bible that tells us that Satan is absolutely aware of what God's faithful people are doing. In the text that Stephen read for us earlier from the book of Job, probably one of the oldest accounts, and we think that Job maybe was a uh, uh, contemporary with the great patriarch Abraham. He lived back in that same time frame perhaps. In Job 1 verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, notice the question, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on all the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? As that conversation proceeds, we find out that the answer to the question that God asked Job, Have you considered my servant Job? The answer is Job said, Yes, I have. Job said, Yeah, I have noticed him and he's driving me crazy. I can't seem to get at him. And so it's clear that in that very interesting exchange between God and Satan there in Job chapter 1, that Satan had considered Job one of God's faithful people, and he was really concerned or troubled the fact that he couldn't get at him the way he wanted. He was certainly targeting Job. In the New Testament, 
in Acts chapter 19, we read about Paul uh, in the city of Ephesus. This was near the beginning of what we refer to as his third missionary journey. This is kind of an interesting account. Acts chapter 19, beginning verse 13. Certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You may remember that, uh, that those seven sons of Sceva were beaten and fled from the scene naked. Kind of almost makes you chuckle when you read that. But here's the, my point for consideration this morning. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are you? You get the idea that Satan, Satan's agents, these evil spirits, they knew. Here's Paul, the faithful apostle Paul. One who's going all over the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know about Paul, the evil spirit said. Clearly, Paul was on Satan's radar screen. Of course, the ultimate example of, in all things is Jesus Christ himself. And we remember that Jesus, just after he'd been baptized by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 4, beginning verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And, and the text goes on, you know, to, to describe how Satan tempted Jesus. I'm always impressed to consider that Satan would even try to get God's own son to sin. Uh, if, if he would try to get God's son to sin, he'll certainly try to get us to sin. But those are just some examples. Job, Paul, Jesus, those are just some examples uh, to emphasize that Satan certainly is targeting God's faithful people. Now, the question for our study this morning is, is Satan observing you? Because you are faithful in service to God. Has he got you in his scopes? Is he targeting you because you are a person that he realizes is trying to do the right thing? Or, on the other hand, is the possible reality that he's really not too terribly concerned about you because he basically got you right where he wants you. He's not having to expend too much effort in your direction because he already has you. In a lost and undone state, you're not trying to do right. You're not living right. He has you right where he wants you. Are you on Satan's radar? Let's talk a little bit more about the various ways that if you are on his radar, he will try to get at you. One of the things we know about Satan is that he's very constant in his effort. He works hard at what his goals are. His goal is to cause you to be lost forevermore in hell. That's what he wants. That's what he's striving for. And he takes no days off. Uh, Satan has no vacation. He works. He works endlessly to try and cause our spiritual demise. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, we alluded to this verse earlier, but here it is in text. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Notice, he's called an adversary. He is our real enemy. 
I think the picture of a roaring lion, you know, we, probably none of us have been in a situation to see a lion stalking about in the wild, but we've seen it on videos, haven't we? And we know that how they, they slurk and uh, slink and, 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 and get around in any way to get an advantage over the prey that they hope to pounce upon. Uh, a roaring lion, that's a pretty, pretty vivid picture. And that's how Satan is. He's constantly seeking, looking, searching, hunting for someone that he can cause to sin. So he's constant in his efforts. He's versatile in his attack. If Satan can't get you, if Satan can't get at you one way, he'll try a different way. He's not going to give up. We said he's constant. He's always working. He customizes. Could we use this word? He customizes his attack to you, to your particular weaknesses. We've often pointed out that what the area where you are weak may not be a weakness of mine at all. But on the other hand, where I'm particularly weak may be something that you're not challenged about. Satan knows that. He knows that about you and he knows that about me. He knows where our weakness is. He's not going to attack us at our strong point. He's going to attack us at our weak point. And he's got lots of tricks in his bag. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's got lots of devices. He's got lots of methods or means. If, if this doesn't work, he'll try something else. Because he's always going to keep working to try and cause you to sin. He's versatile in his attack. And he's undaunted in his goal. He never gives up. Satan never says what we sometimes say. You know, we're trying something that doesn't work. We, oh, well, there's no use trying anymore. Satan never says that. He never says, oh, well, no use. He just keeps on keeping on. We mentioned him tempting Jesus. In Luke's account, Luke chapter 4, beginning verse 1, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And then it goes on to describe those temptations. You know, a mistaken idea is that, well, on this one occasion, Satan came to Jesus and he tempted him in three specific ways. Jesus resisted those three specific temptations. Satan left him, went away, and it was over. That's not true, right? In Luke's account here at verse 13, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So the temptation of Jesus wasn't done. Even with Jesus, he, he, first of all, he would try to tempt Jesus, and then he wouldn't even give up with Jesus. He never said, no use trying anymore. He just kept on tempting. And so that's how Satan is. That's the adversary that we deal with. And the question again is, uh, are you on his radar screen? He, he targets people who are faithfully serving God. Are you one of those? Or, on the other hand, he's just not too worried about you because you pretty much are right where he wants you to be. Think about that. That's, that's worth considering. Are you living a life that causes him to take notice? Well, what would that be? What kind of life would that be? Well, first of all, we would say that Satan is attacking people who are humble and submissive to God's will. In James chapter 4, beginning verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. All right. Do you see it here? The words humble and submit. If you are humble and submissive, 
That's how you resist the devil. So I got to resist the devil. How do I do that? I resist him if I'm a humble, submissive person to God. Right? Now, if he recognizes that, that, he, that Satan recognizes that I'm trying to serve him, and he'll target me for that. There's a, there's a great promise here. If I'm humble and submit to God, if I resist the devil, notice this, he will flee from me. Uh, the idea is not that he will give up, but the idea is that he can't overcome me because I am humble and submissive to God. I'm resisting the devil in that, in that way. And I can, I can, the, the promise is that he cannot overtake me if I'm humble and submissive to God. That's not saying he won't try, but it's saying that I can be successful. I, re- I really believe that's a great hope for us. Uh, you, know, you think about Satan, you think about this powerful spiritual being who is a, who, who is a determined adversary or enemy. How can I possibly win that? Well, because God has promised that if I'm humble and submissive to Him, though the battle is engaged, He will never be able to overtake me. But am I being that humble and submissive person? We know that Satan is particularly paying attention to people who are careful to control their thoughts and actions. And we ask, are you such a person? Does Satan recognize that you're being very careful about the things you think about and therefore the things that you do. Uh, Satan will especially have you in his sights if that's the case. We, we talk a lot about thoughts and actions. And sometimes we use the expression, thoughts precede actions. In other words, you don't go out and start doing something without having first thought about doing something. That's why it's so important for us to carefully control our thoughts We've mentioned a lot, but I think it has to be emphasized that we live in an age where controlling our thoughts may be more difficult than it's ever been in the course of time because there are so many ways for different things to be presented to us by modern media and electronics, via the Internet and so many other mechanisms. There's all kinds of ways that bad thoughts can be presented to us. I think Satan's got to be thrilled to have all these new avenues of getting us to think about things we shouldn't think about. And so a, a, a guy gets on the Internet uh, and he allows himself sinfully to pursue pornography on the Internet. It's so easy. It's so easy. Uh, you do not have to be a rocket scientist to find pornography on the Internet. Uh, I, I think you know that. And so you let yourself look at that. And you think about that. And then a little more and a little bit more. And, a little, and we know, we are told, this great pornography addiction is compelling, leading people onto more and more evil, to, to finally act out upon the evil things that they have seen on their computer screen. Thoughts precede actions. Now, so Satan's working real hard to try and get you to think about things that you shouldn't think about. Because he knows that will ultimately lead to you doing things you shouldn't do. But are you a person who, on the other hand, says, no, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to look at that stuff. I'm not going to allow those kind of images to pass by my eyes. I'm going to guard my thoughts and my actions. If you are, know that Satan is aware of that. And he'll come at you 
even harder if he can. Are you careful to control your thoughts and actions? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Note, he thinks he is. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. So here's all these evil deeds, all these evil acts. Where do they come from? Out of the heart. Because a man let himself think of those things. And then he ultimately does those things. You've got to control your thoughts because that leads to action. Be aware, though, this, this great adversary, Satan, who's watching you, he's got you in his view, uh, and, and he's, going to come, he's going to try to come at you. He's going to use lots of different tricks. Uh, he, he's, he's never going to give up. He's going to come at you. You're going to have to be real careful in controlling your thoughts and your actions. Are you a person who understands how important it is to guard your influence? Uh, are, are you a person who cares? Are you a person who cares about what others think of you, what they know about you? What kind of an example or influence that you have exerted among those people who know you, who know who you are? Are you such a person? You really care. You try to maintain a a great name, a great reputation. If so, know that Satan will be hunting you down, trying to destroy your influence. And of course, in the process of that, he'll also be trying to destroy you eternally. Are you guarding your influence? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Are you keeping your behavior excellent among those who are not God's people? Really an important thing. Satan will, will come at that because he doesn't like that. He doesn't, he, 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 that's not what he wants. That's not his agenda. He wants you to, to set a bad example. You know, what a great thing for Satan. If he can get you, you, you call yourself a Christian. If he can get you to set a, a bad example before non-Christians, then he can keep them away. He can destroy you. He can hurt the influence of the, of the whole church because of your bad example. Oh man, that's, that's right up his alley. That's exactly what he would like to see happen. He's going to target you. He's going to try to get you to do something that will hurt your influence and example. He's working on you. Are you on his radar screen? Finally, let me suggest to you that Satan is looking for you. If you are a person who just constantly demonstrates uncompromised love and devotion, do you ref- are you a person who refuses to compromise with the immoral, sinful things that are going on in the world around us. You know, these are bad times. I'm just, I am not such a person who says, I think we live in the worst of all possible times. I don't think that's so. Try to convince Noah that our days are worse than his. I don't think you can do that. But I'm telling you, I think we live in bad times. And there's an awful lot of bad stuff going on all around us. And the danger, of course, is that we will compromise with those evil things. And maybe we allow the world to begin to affect us. Maybe we allow the world to affect us about how we dress, 
or how we talk, or the kind of things that we do, you know. Maybe, maybe a little social drinking here or there wouldn't be so bad, maybe. Maybe occasionally smoking a marijuana cigarette, that wouldn't be that bad, would it? Uh, you know, uh, maybe hanging out with some bad people, drinking and doing the things that they do. I don't do that a lot, just, just a little, you know, just a little. What's Satan doing? He's got us to compromise, right? We say those things are wrong, but if he can get us to yield a little here or there, he knows that that will get worse and worse. Are you a person who demonstrates uncompromised love and devotion for the Lord? If so, Satan's going to notice that and he's going to work even harder to try and compromise you. Of course, that's what Jesus uh, said you ought to be doing. That is being uncompromised, completely devoted. This is, this is our, this is our goal, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. This is Mark 12, verse 30. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, Jesus said. There's no room for compromise in that, right? Satan wants us to compromise. Jesus said, if you're going to be pleasing to the Lord, there's no compromise. You've got to be completely devoted. You know, the expression we hear a lot these days is, you've got to be all in. Are you all in for doing the Lord's will in your life? Are you determined that you will not compromise, not any at all? That you're going to continue to love and serve God with all your heart, soul, and mind? That's what it takes. Remember, Jesus warned that if you're not all in, you're pretty much destined for failure. Look in Matthew 6, verse 19. Lay, it not up, lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice this. No man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. But that's exactly what Satan wants us to try to do, right? He wants us to, to try and serve two masters. Uh, he, he wants us to have divided allegiance. He wants us to try and hold hands with God and to, to hold hands with the world because he knows that that will lead to ultimate failure. Jesus says you cannot do that. That will not work. Satan knows that too. And so if he can get you into that compromised situation where you're trying to do both things, have it both ways, if he can get you to do that, then he's got you right where he wants you. Are you in his radar screen? Uh, does he see you as an uncompromising sort of person? Or does he see you as one who's trying to go both with the world and with God? That's the question. Well, you might expand this list, but I think you get the idea. Satan always has, I mean, historically always has targeted God's faithful people. And the question is, is he targeting you? And, and, and we know the things that would cause him to do so, right? But those are the things that we're supposed to be doing. Those are the things that God wants us to be doing. So, is Satan targeting you? I'll tell you something. If you're not even a Christian yet, Satan doesn't have to pay much attention to you because you, you are not saved and you're not in a right relationship with God. He can pretty much put you on the back burner. I don't think he ever ignores anybody, but he can at least put you on the back burner because you haven't even obeyed the gospel. You're not a Christian. 
You haven't had your past sins forgiven. You don't have the hope of heaven and eternity. He doesn't have to work too hard on you if you just stay right where you're at. That's a bad, bad situation, isn't it? You don't want to be there. If you're not a Christian this morning, we hope you'd make that decision. Upon hearing God's truth and believing it and understanding it, will you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins? Know that Satan will observe that as well. And he'll work on you, but with God's help, you can be faithful until death and receive the crown of life. Are you a Christian, but you have not been faithful to the Lord? In other words, you have, you have succumbed to Satan's work in your life. And you are out of a right relationship with God because of the life that you've lived. If that's the case, we pray you'll come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.